0: Isaiah fifty-two, thirteen, and all of 53 from the complete Jewish Bible. And it reads, see how my servant will succeed. He will be raised up, exalted, highly honored, just as many were appalled at him because he was so disfigured that he did not even seem human, and simply no longer looked like a man. So now he will startle many nations. Because of him, kings will be speechless, for they will see what they had not been told. They will ponder things they had never heard. Who believes our report? To whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? For before him, he grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He was not well-formed or especially handsome. We saw him, but his appearance did not attract us. People despised and avoided him. A man of pains, well acquainted with illness. Like someone from whom people turned their faces. He was despised, and we did not value him. In fact, it was our diseases he bore, our pains from which he suffered, yet we regarded him as punished, stricken, and afflicted by God. But he was wounded because of our crimes, crushed because of our sins. The discipline that makes us whole fell on him. And by his bruises, we are healed. We all, like sheep, went astray. We turned each one to his own way. Yet Adoniah laid on him the guilt of all of us. Though mistreated, he was submissive. He did not open his mouth like a lamb led to to be slaughtered like a sheep silent before its shearers. He did not open his mouth. After forcible arrest and sentencing, he was taken away. And none of his generation protested his being cut off from the land of the living for the crimes of my people, who deserved the punishment themselves. He was given a grave among the wicked. In his death, he was with a rich man. Although he had done no violence, he said nothing deceptive. Yet it pleased Adoniah to crush him with illness, to see if he would present himself as a guilt offering. If he does, he will see his offspring, and he will prolong his days. And at his hand, Adoniah's desire will be accomplished. After his ordeal, he will see satisfaction, By his knowing pain and sacrifice, my righteous servant makes many righteous. It is for their sins that he suffers. Therefore, I will assign him a share with the great. He will divide the spoil with the mighty for having exposed himself to death and being counted among the sinners while actually bearing the sin of many and interceding for the offenders
1: thank you Sharon. this is uh, such a familiar passage and you know what happens when we see passages in scripture that we're f- very familiar with and um we tend to lose the impact and the power that's resonant in the Word of God. So I wanted to pause for a minute and just ask that the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, would grab our attention. I know that sounds like on Shabbat morning when it's... I guess it stops snowing, but in, in any event, um, I just have a real profound excitement about this passage, and I want you to join in with me as we prepare our hearts that we would have a fresh new revelation of what Yeshua the Messiah did for us. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for your boundless mercy for us thank you, Lord God, for this passage that predicts your plans and purposes. We thank you, Lord God, that you came and you provided atonement for us. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us a fresh new revelation of what that all means, Lord. In the big picture, Regarding the world, regarding Israel, regarding your body, and regarding each one of us. Pray that you would speak to us today in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Hanukkah is coming, and so is Christmas. And I know I'm not, as we say in Jewish, I'm not discovering anybody America here. Um, Our Hanukkah celebration, by the way, will be on December 25th. Um, which I know makes things a little interesting. But um, just like to encourage you to plan to be with us. And um, also, if you have not been in the habit to celebrate Hanukkah at home, um, if you don't have a, a Hanukkiah, which is the Hanukkah menorah, I'd like to encourage you to get... You don't have to get one quite as elaborate as that. Um, And part of the celebration of Hanukkah is a custom called Pirsum Hanes, which means the Proclamation of the Miracle. And that simply involves putting the menorah, the Hanukkiah, on a windowsill, hopefully in a way that is far enough away from the curtains so that you don't burn them. But the idea behind Piosumanes is that you are conveying to others outside who are walking by the simple fact that you are celebrating the miracle that God performed for your people. Obviously, sometimes that required experiencing persecution for that, but in any event... That's been a huge part of who and what Yeshua Tzion is about. Is we have felt, as I mentioned last Shabbat and previous Shabbatot, a real strong commitment from God to do just that, to engage in Pirsum Hanest, the proclamation of the miracle to everyone who needs to hear with special emphasis on the Jewish community and by the way we don't make any apology for that uh, scripture tells us that the good news as it came out from Zion has to go back to Zion and uh, its our conviction that if we get ready to or as we engage in the Persum Hanes that God would draw people to himself Jews and Gentiles And as that happens, we want to do backflips because that's what the angels do every time that happens. But in any event, a number of years ago, 18 to be exact, um, we undertook a campaign whereby we send 4,500 letters to people in the Jewish community, and we offer people a book called Jesus Was a Jew, by Eleanor Fruchtenbaum. Forty folks responded. A couple came and joined our Mishpacha, our family. And uh, we have done some other things since then, but for the most part, you know what happens? Sometimes you get engaged and you go outward, and things happen. Life happens, and you get preoccupied and you turn inward. And that is what had happened to us over a number of years. And we started to think and pray and begin a building fund. And as we did, we really sensed that the Lord is saying, okay, I want you to prepare for the building by engaging in what I've called you to do right here and now. And so we began to work in that direction, and God has been raising a number of people and putting together a group for outreach. If you were here last Shabbat, you'll remember that Mary Malone uh, referred to a book called Isaiah 53, explained by Mitch Glazer from Chosen People Ministries. I'd like to encourage you to do a couple of things with this. First of all, to pick up a copy for yourself, because a major part of the message of Isaiah 53 is for us it has to begin with us where we have to be bowled over and just blown away by God's program and what God did for us in providing Messiah's atonement And if you don't understand that I want to encourage you today to take some time and say God would you please open my eyes I'm clueless about what it means to have your kind of atonement given to me by Messiah how that God reaches down and grabs you, grabs me when we are down in the pit, in the mud and he pulls us up and cleans us up and puts us on a solid footing as King David puts it in Psalm 40 he puts a new song in our mouth So if that portion of the Word of God and that truth has become ho-hum to you, which, like everything else, can happen, let me encourage you today or this week sometime to stop and say, Lord, would you please uh, take off the grime and the dirt that that has clung to this precious jewel so that i can see it and look at it and be wowed and dazzled by it so this is first of all for us and then second of all is for others who need to make that connection with with the lord particularly again jewish people but it has to begin with a heart that beats in sync like God's heart. Because this can be just another campaign, marketing campaign, you know, we are uh, getting the word out, everybody come and check us out, we're cool, cute and clever and so on. Um, This is about God, folks. Amen? Amen? And in order to really connect with this and with what God wants to do, you and I, all of us, need to have a heart that relates to God's heart of compassion for those who don't know Yeshua, for those who don't have a real, live connection with Him, and who are kind of like a kid who is standing outside a candy shop and is looking inside or looking into a, a, a store full of all kinds of good food and is standing outside hungry. God, gives, God needs to give us that sort of an understanding and a passion for those who are not connected with the Lord, who don't have a relationship with God. And then, of course, you want to say, well, that's fine and dandy, but I have this, 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 and this, and this to take care of. You know, you've heard uh, a, a tiny bit of Stephen Paula's story and there are others in the congregation who have all kinds of other issues. Financial, relational, health, etc., etc. And at some point you have to say, God, you are big enough to take care of my needs so that I can be engaged in doing taking care of your business, as Yeshua put it, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, it's a step of faith. It's holy chutzpah, where you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that as I put my focus on the things that you are really deeply concerned about, you're going to see to it that the things that I'm concerned about will be taken care of. By the way, that's one of the names of God in Scripture, Adonai Yireh, the Lord who will see to it. If you don't believe that, ask that God will give you courage, courageous faith to trust Him that he will see to your own needs so that you can you are set free and you are engaged then to see to it that his kingdom expands beyond your own life and your own issues and your own family. So that's that's why we are beginning this. And it's a step. It's perhaps a baby step, it's on our website. And let me encourage you to check our brand new wonderful website uh, that is a gift from God and and our dear brother Roaring has been the front front guy with that but the one who has really been doing the heavy lifting is the Lord so a chunk of our website is devoted to that let me encourage you um, after the service to come and talk to Mary and um, And see about getting a copy for yourself. Read it. It's also available, I imagine, through other resources. But um, take those steps. Take those steps that say, God, I'm going to look beyond me. I'm going to look beyond me because you have things for me to do. And perhaps God has... Uh, someone in your life, particularly a Jewish person, that would benefit by reading that. So consider that and pray about it, and see how God leads you to do what God leads you to do with that. Isaiah 53 is very familiar to any of us who have been part of a congregation where the Bible is taught regularly. So we need to understand, first of all, to understand, to grasp the impact of what redemption means in our own life. How that the Lord comes into our life and He cleanses and brings about wholeness and restoration. We'll talk more about that later. Again, part of it is for us, part of it is for those who don't yet know the Lord. As Peter put it, be prepared to give an explanation for the reason that is within you. So if somebody says to you, why do you believe in Yeshua? You don't say, I believe because I believe, because I know it's down deep, true in my heart, and I've always known it. It's a lovely answer. However, it really begs. Uh, the decent explanation for someone who is really yearning to understand who God is and why you believe in Him and why you follow Him. Why engage in all of this in December? Well, as Mary was alluding to, December is a difficult month for lots of folks. You know, you, you look at the Kodak moment and, and uh, the, uh, all the other um, holiday images, and they are true for some of the, of the population, a small percentage of the population. For the rest of the, of the population, it is not only a lie it sharpens the pain that they experience because of family breakdown you have that you also have the fact that if you're Jewish in December you have everything around you that says you are a little funny you know because all around you you have the majority the Christmas trees the Christmas lights Christmas shopping Santa Claus in the shopping malls manger scenes with baby Jesus and Mary and then for you and your culture, it's uh, Judah Maccabee scenes and latkes and Hanukkiyot menorahs and Hanukkah gelt, the sweet uh, chocolates wrapped in, in gold foil. And sometimes, for many Jewish people, it is the Hanukkah bushes. which is a carryover in case you didn't pick up on that. (laughs) But you know, folks, Hanukkah is such a powerful symbol of God's ongoing covenant protection for the people of Israel. You can say that if there was no Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. Definitely. Um, And whenever whenever Messiah Yeshua was born he was born in fulfillment of this chapter that we alluded to earlier that was predicted 800 years before by but excuse me by Isaiah and if you think that people in Isaiah's time got it any better than they do today, you're mistaken. In Isaiah's time, Israel was heading off a cliff. In about 30 years, the, the Assyrians from, from north of Assyria today came and devoured the nation of Israel, took off the vast majority into exile, brought a goulash of people that later became known as the Samaritans. So, Isaiah is not looking at a situation that is very pretty, but yet he is looking through the prophetic telescope and seeing God preparing to do some awesome things. And he begins with a person who is called Evid Adonai, the servant of the Lord. There has obviously been some debate on exactly what that means, you have on the part of the jewish community the folks that say this is referring to israel because there are earlier passages in isaiah that speak about the servant of the lord being israel and the answer to that of course is yes and no on one hand god selected the people of israel set us apart to be a nation that would be a light to the to the gentiles to the nations on the other hand as you read this chapter you see clearly that there's no way that it can fit the people of Israel because the people of Israel at this point were apostate they were worshiping Baal and Ashtarti and all kinds of things so this has to be someone who is definitely not the nation of Israel definitely not an ordinary person look at verse 13 of chapter 52 Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Now, the Hebrew word for exalt simply means to raise up. I know, you know, exalted is one of these wonderful biblical words that gives us the warm fuzzies, but which we really have no clue what it means. You know, exalt magnify, glorify, etc. To exalt simply means to raise up so that the person who is being raised up is clearly viewed, that he is up on stage, that you have floodlight shining on him, that he is very clearly visible, and that the attention is drawn to this individual. That's what it means to exalt. And God did that with some people to a very limited extent but if you look at the language it's superlative in other words he would be very much highly exalted and lifted up language that only refers to god again make the connection folks the servant of the lord on one hand and yet this servant is going to be someone who is highly exalted obviously not an ordinary human being Because he's described by language that fits God. He's highly exalted. Scripture says that God is highly exalted in our view and our estimation. Why? Because of the things he does. That at some point in our life we're able to step back and say, Lord, what you did was awesome. You grabbed me, you reached me, you, you pulled me out of the mud when I was ready to go off a cliff and you have, you have come through for me. Amen. And I exalt you, I lift you up, I give you the needed focus, the needed attention, the needed uh, adoration for myself and also so other people will see and likewise, give you the same kind of attention and same kind of adoration. And that's always, always, always the pilsum idea. We celebrate the miracles and invite other people to enjoy and celebrate the miracles with us. So you have this unusual individual who is highly exalted... But then the next couple of verses make absolutely no sense because you go from being, someone being highly exalted to someone who is being disgusting-looking. Verse 14, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his clearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. Very strong language implying basically that when you look at this individual you quickly very quickly want to turn your face away because you can't stand looking at that person you know I, I remember during my years before the ministry when i worked at an aids laboratory never forget this one time when a fellow came who had been diagnosed with aids and he was normal looking one time and then he came back and his face was all covered with with um, pus, basically. It was purple looking and it was heart, heart rending and I couldn't bear to look at him. And this is kind of the picture that is described of this individual who was exalted on one hand and at the same time is someone who is disfigured. And the language, by the way, is very much that which describes lepers. In fact, the earlier rabbis, the ancient rabbis, described this person as leper messiah because some of the words describe leprosy here. But the bottom line is that God's solution starts out looking very pitiful. And you know, when you think about that, that really does not fly over very well in our mindset. You know, we want someone who will come riding on a horse and saying, look at me, I've got the answers. Sort of a charismatic figure who will offer a, uh, a well-crafted, smooth message saying, I have the answers. That's what we expect. You know, we expect that when God does something, it will always, always, always be done with lots of fanfare and, and trumpets and lights and etc. And you know, more often than not, God chooses to work from something that looks very insignificant, very unimpressive, and it boggles our mind because we want to say, God, if you're going to do something, do it on a big scale. You're God after all. In fact, as you look at that, you see that this begins like an abject failure. But as you go on and read the rest of the chapter, what you'll see is that God devises a strategy that turns our logic upside down. He starts with something that is small and insignificant, that doesn't draw our attention, in fact, sometimes turns us off. And yet, as we get the message from God, as we tune into it, we realize that somehow in this picture... God is beginning to unleash his power and that a big chunk of that involves unleashing his revelatory power where he says, okay, are you listening? Are you getting this? The truth is, most of the time we don't. We're clueless. You know, Isaiah describes us as, as sheep and we are. You know, we're not the smartest creatures in the universe certainly not spiritually. And God does the unexpected. He begins with something that looks like it's coming from dry ground. You know, you, you've seen things that come from dry ground. You know, when you drive through the arid sections of Colorado or New Mexico or Utah, and you see that there is dry places and then you, Here you have a little, a little uh, shoot coming up. Okay, all right, a little shoot. There's a little life there. Not particularly impressing. In fact, Isaiah says he grew up like a tender shoot. Underdeveloped. There was no majesty. This is not someone who comes with a great deal of majesty. In fact, he's disfigured, and we stand verse 3 we stand speechless and not only that we might even wonder whether he is someone who is under God's judgment cursed by God and yet God's answer typically folks is in front of us and we miss it we miss it because we're expecting something else. It's ironic that the word here for root is one of the names of Messiah. There are several places that speak about Messiah in those kind of terms. Isaiah 11.10 In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people's. Shorash, same kind of word. Then you have other words that sound very, that are very similar, um, translated in, e- in English as branch, but what it literally means is something that is growing, just beginning to grow. Tzemach. In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, the fruit of the land will be its pride, and the glory of the survival, survivors in Israel. This is Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah 4 2. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch. Semach. In Jeremiah 23, 5. So God's plan to redemption, God, God's plan to doing awesome things in our lives comes in ways that we don't expect in forms that we don't expect and so because of that we go looking for love we go looking for God in all the wrong places the truth is folks you look around you look around you sometimes in the store you know when you stand in line somewhere You get on the bus, if you get on the bus, if you're at work, look around you, folks, and you'll see that we are surrounded by the walking wounded. That's reality, folks. We all have deep needs for love and affirmation. We want to know that we're affirmed because we're successful, we're appreciated, we're loved, etc., etc., and you know, the truth is, that is a bottomless pit, folks. Because the more you get, the more you need, the more you want. You know, you can have people coming up to you and saying, you're cool, you're wonderful. And folks in ministry, you get that all the time. And, and if your focus is on you and the need for your own personal affirmation, you're in real wobbly, shaking ground, folks. At least when, when we began, when for many years, I would get finished with, with a sermon and I would have one or two people come up and say, you know, that was just an awesome message. Thank you so much. really spoke to me. And then you would have someone who would come along and say, you know, that was a good word, but you really didn't get it. And so in one fell swoop, I went from being way up here to being way down there. You know what I'm saying? doesn't take much. doesn't take much. And at some point, God opened my eyes and said, Hey, dummy, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's all about me. Every aspect of life is about me. And I'm not just saying that because I have a title uh, behind my name. I'm saying that because that's true for all of us, folks. Scripture presents life holistically. That every part of our life, our families, our business, our schooling, our health, all of that is under God's rule. And when you get that, you're able to step back and have some basic peace. Because you realize that the only one who can fill those deep holes is God. And you just learn to hang in there and wait for Him to do that. And God sets you free from this continual preoccupation of, did I do it right? I, I should have said this. It would have been much more effective. Yeah, what I said was awesome. Aren't I cool? And going back and forth from these, from these ditches, you have the basic balance and peace that says, you know, the Lord is in my life. It's all about Him. He has things under control. He has things under control. this is not a reality for you today, I want to encourage you to take some time and have a conversation with God. And reality, folks, also, is that we all... N- faith is not static. You know, we don't reach this glorious place where we are perpetually, 100% of the time, strong in faith. But yes, we have our... our peaks we also have our valleys we also have the uh, what's going to happen to me etc. etc. and all of that is under God's covering under his provision in ways that we just don't see and don't understand and the Lord comes into our life and brings about redemption By the way, there are three key words for, for sin in Hebrew. Don't you love it? Just sort of like the Eskimos with snow have a whole bunch of words for snow. We have a whole bunch of words for sin and a whole bunch of words for anger. Very Jewish. The three basic words for sin. Chet, which means to miss the mark. Here is the bullseye. And your arrow goes way over to where the barn is somewhere. The other word is avon, which means crookedness and perversity. You know, here's the right way, but you're saying, well, I really don't have to go this way. I can veer off a little bit. The third word is pesha, which means rebellion. If you think that doesn't fit, just look at your kid if you have a child. You will really get the message of Pesha. And the point, the reason why all these words are mentioned in Hebrew here in the text is because the message is that there is no sin, and please hear me folks, there is no sin in your life that is beyond God's reach. There's no sin, there's no defilement that God, such that God cannot reach and cleanse and provide forgiveness with one proviso. As you learn to welcome God and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Not especially pretty, but here I am. Isaiah puts it this way, we've all like sheep gone astray, we've turned each way, we've turned to our way and God has laid on him the iniquity of us all we're like sheep you know every single one of us our GPS system broke down and, and we're all heading in, th- in different directions and the Lord says come back I have a plan it may, it, it may not suit your fancy it may not look the way you want it but I've got it covered the two types of sin offerings, by the way, are also here in Isaiah 53. One is Khatat, the offering for purification. And the other one is asham, the offering for compensation. Restoration of the broken relationship that sin brings about. But it all begins in a way that, that we just don't get, we don't understand. We don't understand that regardless of where we are, God has the ability to reach us, to reach our brokenness, to, to, to reach the, the holes and and to fill them and to, to bring about cleansing. You see that in the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Messianic Jews over and over again. How much more will the blood of Messiah, the atonement of Messiah, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. He's capable of reaching every broken area. And what's more, He is in a sense, a wounded healer. He's someone who suffered our pain, the reality of being on the ground, and because he suffered, he is able to reach us and minister to us. He was pierced for our transgression. This is, by the way, Isaiah 53. This is, um, you know, it's often when Jewish people see this, they say, this has got to be from the New Testament. Well, it really isn't. Uh, He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity, the punishment that brought us peace, was upon him, and by his wounds were healed. So God has a redemptive program. He has a strategy that boggles our mind, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't look like it's going to work. And we have to step back and say, okay, God, I don't get it. But would you please open my eyes. I want to hear, and I want to understand, and I want to embrace, and I want to follow. I want to get it. I want to have those areas of brokenness in my life repaired and restored. And I want that to shine, to reflect outwards to others who need the same thing. If we truly, truly, truly have been touched by God, our eyes will not stay within us and be self-consumed, but we will learn to look outward to all the others around us. It's His heart. And as we learn to relate to his program, we'll also relate to his heart, heart of compassion. Let's pray. Lord, we thank and praise you for the magnificence of your redemptive program, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for how you laid it all out, how you predicted it, how you went about carrying it out. We thank you, Lord, that you were willing to pay the ultimate price, sacrifice of yourself, Lord God, we thank you that you want to go m- deeper and more fully with each one of us. You want to set us free in the areas, Lord, where we have bondage, where we have brokenness, where we have holes that we are busy trying to fill. And We pray, Lord God, that you would draw our attention to you, that you would take the scales off our eyes, that you would show us what you're doing Lord and that you would lead us by your spirit to get engaged Lord with what you have for us and what you have for other people we pray Lord God that during this season that it would be a season not of retrenchment of stepping back but Lord God it would be a season of pressing forward give us Lord God that holy chutzpah that bold faith to trust you for all of that. We ask in the name of Yeshua. Amen.